Welcome back to the SAS Talks podcast. The podcast we're talking about all the goings on in the world of school psychology, education, and other random musings that come into our small little stooge heads. Um, with me, we actually have a nice, fun cast. So I've been doing the past couple episodes that I've recorded by myself because people have gotten sick and whatever. But we have the we have a crew today. So joining me today, we got Kia and Brooke. How's it going, guys? I'm great, Chris. How are you, man? I'm doing all right. Just all right, well, huh? Well, I'm, gl- like, I'm so glad to be back in the studio. I had well, I had the most the studio. You mean your room? <laughs> no, this is the studio. Is it, oh, that's also, right. Sorry, but sorry. but Brooke, is it is it your gym that you're in? You know, with the with the you got the kind of the fitted shirt going on here, showing off a little bit of the the guns here. We we do not dress for the podcast. Okay. We we don't have to because this is a audio podcast not a vidcast we have radio faces so that's what Brooke is getting at, though. But Brooke, i know brooke did want to bring up some random topic so um the floor is yours sir let's let's say you go let's say you go to the bathroom at work and you go into so, the stall i'm so scared and and you reach for the toilet paper and it's one of those big commercial rolls right with a case over it should you expect the custodial staff to have maybe unglued that one little part so that you can pull the toilet paper off the roll if you're the first person to use it? No, man. If you need it, you got to work for it. I mean, what are we even talking about here? <laughs> like, I spent like 10 minutes working for it today just trying to shred <laughs> toilet paper because my hand wouldn't fit up inside that case. I mean, I'm sure you got OTs in your district that can help you out with that. Yeah, I, 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 I got no words. I got no words right now. Is this I'm is sorry, this an ongoing just, issue with you? It 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 has happened more than once. Is it, okay. is it at I, specific campuses or like no no? I think I think the custodians just do it to me wherever I'm at. Like it could be in the mall, and the the toilet paper would be a new brand new roll in that little one. Uh, plot, not ply, uh, sheet is glued to the rest of the, and you can't get it off without shredding the whole roll. Are you are you implying a nationwide conspiracy of custodians to make your life harder when going to the bathroom in public? Not only do we have a shortage of school psychologists, but we have a shortage and a shortage of toilet paper and a shortage of eggs, um, but also a shortage of convenience. Shortage. Well, Brooke, I'm so glad that we had that little detour today. And I think to kind of class this up, let's introduce our guest today. Um, we have joining us an amazing school psychologist and author and badass individual all around, Dr. Kelsey Reed. What's going on? Hey, what's going on? Thanks so much for having me. Oh, no, it's our pleasure more than yours. I'm sure you have far better things to do. <laughs> you are, you are, she's like, I'm really regretting agreeing to doing <laughs> this now. It's <laughs> not the introduction I was expecting, but you no, know. No, no. First, we have some toilet talk and then we introduce our guests. That's yeah. how it normally goes on the Task Talks podcast. Liter- literal potty humor. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, welcome to three middle school. Uh, guys. <laughs> Basically. I'm but, used to this. <laughs> well, we, do you work, we do you work in a middle school? I have um, all my schools are elementary, but one of them is part middle school. Yeah. Wait, part middle school. So it's elementary and middle. Yes, it's both. Yeah. Hmm. Which having three schools, you can imagine is um, it's cool. They just threw in that little like sprinkled middle school, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's a little bit of flavor for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like shortage. (laughs) But but the reason we brought you on is because you're so great and awesome, but also all the amazing things that you've accomplished and how 
you and a couple other people that maybe we can talk about later or maybe have on a future podcast with you are now becoming these amazing influencers in our field and are doing great change and helping out a lot of us other psychs progress our field so we wanted to have you on and kind of just talk to you about all your accomplishments and all the badass stuff that you've done but before we get to that tell us a little bit how you got here right and when, when i say that i mean like not birth to that but like the school psych world right like what were you doing before that how did you fall into our world yeah so i am one of the lucky ones who went straight or maybe not lucky i don't know but i went straight from undergrad through grad school psychology was the one and got my master's phd all in one swoop um, and came right into the field. I just started in 2020. So oh. I don't really have anything prior to this. But in terms of how I got here, I was a psych major during undergrad. One of those, you know, what what are we supposed to do when you graduate type of vibes when you're getting toward that senior year, you know, and everyone's like, we well, have to go to grad school, clinical or counseling psychology, your only options, you know, kind of how, how, the, how <laughs> the game goes. And I just stumbled upon school psychology, um, had no idea it existed until I think it was my like towards the end of my junior year. And um, was just really excited about it, intrigued by it. And so I applied to a couple of places. I um, attended school, I was born and raised in Michigan. So from the Midwest, and I attended Loyola University Chicago for grad school. So I started there in the specialist level program, realized I was not cut out to be in the schools for the rest of my life. So halfway through, I was like, mm, I think PhD is probably the route I want to go. Um, you know, I like research, um, things like that. So I... Um, Went into that. I graduated um, right in the middle of the pandemic. I was one of the first people in my cohort to, um, or in the program ever, to do a virtual dissertation defense. So they like didn't really know. They're like, oh, well, can we invite people? I don't know. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm inviting people. It's a pandemic. I just want to see faces, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so um, did that. And so that was that. My internship is what brought me to the DMV, which is where I'm currently at. So I did my internship in Loudoun County Public Schools. Shout out to Charles Barrett, one of the most amazing internship supervisors. Mm -hmm. And um, then it was literally pandemic time. So my first year in the schools was the 2020 academic year um, as a practicing school psychologist. And I started in Prince George's County Public Schools, huge school district. Started with my three schools that I have now, and I'm still there um, three years later with those schools. Now I'm in person, which is better. Yeah, that's kind of the the cliff notes, I think. That's really cool. Done. So for everybody else, Dr. Charles Barrett was our season one season finale guest, which was super awesome. So now we've come full circle and now we've had one of his unders. Your district, and I, it's weird you work as a department of motor vehicles, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but really like, so working in the school districts and starting off in the pandemic must have been maybe not how you necessarily perceived the position would go. Obviously, none of us did. But how was that transition? Because you came in like that. And then you're like, now you're kind of I'm, I'm, I may be implying something, tell me if I'm wrong. But now you're kind of like, oh, this is like the real job a couple years later, now that things have really gotten to the swing of action. So I'm, I don't want to say you got like a later start. But did that help at all with like coming in in the pandemic, where it's like, it's not full on, but you still have to navigate all the obstacles that everybody else had to? It was weird. I don't know. So I mean, and, and my district's so big. So there are a hundred psychs in my like psych department. So, um, and there's like 200 something schools in the whole County. So like, it's just a huge County. I came in, I'm meeting all these people. I'm only meeting them virtually, but what, like on the plus side, because we weren't able to test for like the first couple of months of me being there, I got to 
work on a lot of other things. So I was joining SIT meetings, um, student intervention team, like doing more like of the stuff that I think we want to do as school psychologists when we don't have to test. Yeah. <laughs> so I was doing all that. I was doing all this stuff in my department. I was like, this is awesome. Like, I don't even have to test. And then obviously testing kicked in and I had a huge backlog and I <laughs> went into the schools and I had to tell everyone, never mind about all the things that I had volunteered to do my first year. I was like, I, I can't, I can't do all this anymore. Like I yeah. have like a million cases. So, There's only eight hours during the day, guys. That's all right. I yeah. I was like, wow, wait, hold on. Hold on a second. Uh, I, I can't do this. So it, it was a nice transition. And because of that, like I got to see kind of like the other side of like what it could be if <laughs> I had only one school. Um, but I will say to this day, I'm still catching up on my backlog. I think I will finally this year, knock on wood, like not have any more cases out of like out of compliance, essentially. And I'm saying that being real here, like it's just yeah. how it is right now. The job is real. That's, I mean, that's, yeah. that's, I mean, I hit around December and I turned around and there was nothing in my drawer of like to do's <laughs> and on a, on one campus, on one campus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I got this text like, Hey, by the way, I'm going to bring up some folders later for my RTI lead. And I was like, all right, yeah, bring up the three. And she like brings in like 15 and I'm like yeah, oh and she's all like, at the same time yeah yeah she's like that's the first one we got more we just did dyslexia screeners we got a much more coming down the road oh and we're like Jesus. I mean but I mean it's like it's a never ending it's a chase your tail it is yeah. what it is type of thing so you talked about kind of the things you wanted to do in that first year but what are you doing now like kind of talk about that type of stuff as much as I can. So I do still um, co-lead the multicultural committee within the psych department. So we um, did a lot of work during the pandemic year, which was really cool. We haven't had as much time this year, but I will be doing a training on um, supporting youth with disabilities from a strength-based lens. And it's going to be like through, it's going to be countywide, like anyone in the county can can access it, which is pretty cool. Um, and that's through the multicultural department. And aside from that, I mean, I consult with teachers. I try as hard as I can to do things here and there, but you know how it is. Like I truly, a lot of my, I think like passions or those, those pieces are happening outside of like my day-to-day -day job just because I don't have the time. So like hacking deficit thinking, strength-based collective, all of those things um, are kind of where I can like fill that void of like wanting to like do a little bit more, I yeah. guess. Let's talk, yeah. let's talk a little about those. So the strength-based, you said strength-based collective, correct? Yes, yes. That's something, I mean, I think a, a lot of us know about hacking deficits. If you don't, then just pause it, go on <laughs> Amazon or wherever you buy your local things and buy the damn book. Okay, Can, let's talk about the strength-based collective because that's something I think is maybe, a, in my opinion, maybe a little less known. But so what is that? The strength-based collective is a collective, I guess, that Byron and I, um, Byron McClure, co-founded together and we provide strength-based resources, tools, et cetera, for educators, um, parents, hopefully children and youth soon. It's um it's just a really cool kind of it kind of naturally bridged from hacking deficit thinking. So we saw this need in the field. Everybody's like, I want to be strength-based. I don't know how. Where do I begin? I just want like quick, easy, <laughs> practical tools. Yeah, what is that? Like, what are you what are you talking about also? So we were like, well, how can we educate people without like being like, hey, buy our book? You know, like what's another way that we can like actually make a difference? Um, and it's been going really well. It's super fun. It's um cool ideas and things coming soon that I'm not really gonna talk about. Oh, I did it, I did it already, didn't I? Yeah, it's all right. No. <laughs> I'm really bad at that, I will say. No, you're fine. And it, it, what I'm hearing is your third year in your third year of school psych, and you've already accomplished more than I'll probably ever do. So what where does that all come from? Where does that drive come from? 
to do all these things besides just a job? <laughs> I don't know. I am so tired all the time. I really, I like kind of, I need to cut back. Like I need to, but it's weird. Like I, I, I get energized by, by these things. So, so I don't know, but I think like for me, like I said earlier, because I am unable to do a lot of these things within my actual school buildings. Like I, I, I wonder how much, well, I don't mind. I'd still be doing all this. I, I guess I can't really, <laughs> I can't really go that route. I think, yeah, I just, I'm just really passionate about, about a lot of things. I enjoy like content creating too. So like when we um, have like new tools and like Instagram posts, like I like making them. I don't know. That's fun to me too. No, so I think cool. it's kind of like a creative outlet as well. Well, I think in the newer age of school psych in general, to become more progressive, we have to get more eyes on products, whatever that is, or items or things. And, and using social media to our advantage, I think, is very beneficial. And I think a lot of newer school psychs are growing up in the world of social media, right? Like, it's a joke, and Kia and Brooke already knows, but I'll tell you, Dr. Reed, I met my wife in high school, and we bonded over MySpace. Like, that was a thing for us, right? Yeah, so, yeah. but, you know, we've come a long way from that. But everybody has grown up with that at this point. So utilizing that is fantastic. And I know, I mean, a lot of us are on Instagram, but like all of them are being used, but I see the community is growing bigger and bigger and they're coming in at the same age, which means they're still using these devices, right? And they're using these kind of avenues. So utilizing that to your advantage to get the word out and, and kind of progress the field is fantastic. Dr. Reed, please call me Kelsey, first of all. Kelsey, sure. Okay, Kelsey, thank you. Yeah, I, I go through that same thing with Charles. I call him Dr. Barrett. He's like, please stop. Like, Charles, it's, it's, it's very Chuck, hard. Call me Chuck. Uh, it took yeah. me so long to call him Charles. Like, no, it was a grudge. I was like, I can't yeah, do it. It's like, I, I feel weird, but you keep insisting. Yeah. So, um, no. So, Kelsey, everything you're doing sounds awesome. And I have always been one who is also wanted to talk about string space. I, I rail on that all the time and the PDs that we, we do when we talk about this idea of Everyone does a really great job of illuminating a kid's deficits. That's never been a problem in the education world. We do a really great job of talking about that. So I'm, I love and I'm excited about this work. Um, when you talk about, you know, wanting to support and address issues for a lot of our racially minoritized students and tackling some of these issues here, I know you you mentioned uh, when we were talking about, you know, your biracial identity and how that plays into your role as a school psych. You know, we are in a very uh, predominantly white field, primarily white, primarily female and then also, you know, I, I, I'm i just curious because, you know, myself also being a biracially um, person in a school psych role, how do, you, how do you think that's informed your your view in this profession and um, how has it impacted your work and your research? Yeah, um, thanks for asking. So I think for me, my perspective is very unique because I am white presenting and I also... Um, my background. So even though I'm white presenting, I grew up in an all black family. So I don't have any kind of ties or connections to um, my my white, the white side of my family. So, you know, I think growing up um, and I grew up in a predominantly white area as well. And we are one of the only black families in the area. And then I'm, I always, I kind of just always felt this, like all these eyes on me and kind of so I think like my own kind of like challenges that I experienced with my racial identity just in that regard has just made me really, really focused on all of or any of the students, any of the children who 
feel different, you know, in, in any way, you know, whether that be ability, um, race, you know, any, anything that would be perceived as a difference. Those are the kids that just like, I'm like, those are my people, right? Like, I just want to make sure that they're good in the schools. But aside from that, I think when we're talking about the racial, the racial identity piece, um, because I have this perspective, all of my family members are Black, everyone you know, that I associate with at a familial level looks nothing like me. You notice differences in how they're treated compared to how I'm treated or and or differences when people find out my racial background. So it's like I'm seeing like a really weird side of like what it means to be biracial, black, white in America, because aside from that, I being presenting how I do, I hear all types of things from people who don't know that I'm that I'm black. Right. So I'll hear racist things kind of all the time. So I think it's just, it's given me a very unique and specific lens. um, And it's made me really passionate about the topic and especially kind of using my um, white privilege to speak up in spaces where, you know, others may not actually be heard, you know, so kind of how can I elevate the voices of those, um, the work of those who have been doing this tirelessly, you know, for so long before I even came about, um, but also kind of share my perspective because, I think it's important and we don't talk about being biracial and the multiracial biracial population is growing so fast and Mm -hmm. the way we categorize it, it, there's so many issues with it. And I, I just, I worry about all of the kids that are going through similar things that I went through or, you know, different Mm -hmm. complexities. So I would tell, I I likened it. I told people as like, when you are perceived as, as, as white and not biracial, um, I like that. I said, I was like, it's like being an anthropologist. Cause like, you feel like you're in this weird world and people just like are ignoring you or don't notice and you're like okay I'm just gonna sit here and take notes I guess yeah. about all these about all these unusual yeah. behaviors and statements okay definitely my yeah. grandpa called me um our secret weapon he's like you're our secret <laughs> weapon I'm like I don't yeah. want to be the secret weapon though. <laughs> it's a big responsibility for an yeah, eight-year-old yeah <laughs> yeah well thank well, you for sharing I appreciate that yeah we'll kind of jump in on that as well like I'm half white, half Hawaiian, Polynesian. And so, and I work in my, the district that I work in is primarily military. So I get a lot of military families that are coming in and out or coming from Hawaii, especially. And so whenever they find out, that's always the first question. It's like, oh, oh, I know, like, oh, I know I'm Hawaiian. I'm like, yes, I'm Hawaiian as well. Or if I get Filipinos, they're the same type of connection. So that helps a lot, especially with our SPED families who are coming into this world and like in elementary. So I, I get them at the young age, right? But they're like, you know, what is going to happen? Is my kid going to be okay? So I think that helps build a little bit of a better bond. Um, the issue is, is that that white side of my family does take over a little bit because we work indoors. And so I am white complected and uh, I tan real easily, but I can't tan indoors. But it it does help build a nice community. And there's a weird in the district. I think on one of my campuses, I have like, including me, like seven Hawaiians on staff. It is the craziest thing. And I love it. But it does. It, it's it's an interesting thing. And I do agree that a lot of a lot of our population in general, not even school psych, are becoming more biracial. So this is a growing group that's I mean, my children are biracial, right? <laughs> like, and that's gonna be a thing. You know, they are they are white presenting, but they are biracial. <laughs> but I just wonder, Kelsey, like, do you feel like that there's cons to it? Have, have you had to navigate any issues with it whenever maybe you bring it up at all? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, when I was younger, it was like, uh, people don't believe me. They think I'm lying. Um, 
which is so weird. And so I, when, you know, when I was younger, I actually would literally have a family picture prepared. Like, yeah, the, the line I mean, thing on is my, weird, right? The line, like, why would I, why yeah, would I like, what, what do I gain from that? You yeah. know, like I, and I mean, I guess there are like prominent people in the media who've lied to get like clout yeah. or whatever, but like right. me, Kelsey, as just a person, like, I, I don't know why I would make my life like it, it adds more complexities to it. And I think for me, it's it's even more complicated because um, I, I said that my whole family is black. So my I was adopted by my dad. So my mom that I lived with all my life um, is my biological mom. But I was adopted too by my dad, but I'm still black. So it's like people are like, oh, well, you were adopted. And I'm like, well, yeah, but like but I, I am still biracial, <laughs> you know, like I, like I, I don't know how to make it, you know, come through for you. So I think that's it. And then. The other challenge is mostly just like my own insecurities and kind of like challenges that I realized I was projecting onto others, like making assumptions about what they were thinking of me and kind of always trying to tread lightly and not step on any toes. And, you know, I'm working through that, you know, getting to a place where it's like, I'm me, this is who I am. Like, I don't feel like I need to act a certain way around you for you to like really believe me, you know, like it's this is just part of who I am. So I'm still leaning into that. There was a great scene in the movie Selena uh, with Jennifer Lopez, where I love where um, Edward James almost is like ranting in the car with the kids. But he talks about this like divide and like the struggle. And he goes, you know, he's like, we're not white enough for the white people and we're not Mexican enough for the Mexicans. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of and that 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 of like that resonates with me because it's like when you're with one side of your family, like, well, I don't quite fit in here. And then it's like, you're on the other side and you're like, well, it's like, okay. So I, when I get to hang out with my biracial cousins who are in the same boat as me, yeah, like, oh, it's like, good, oh, okay, we, we all get it. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. it's a weird, it's it, a weird sensation. Like when it you, is, you deal with that. it is interesting. And, and yeah. so it, it's true though, because when I take pictures with both sides of my family, I look adopted on both sides. <laughs> like I'm too light complected for the Hawaiian. And then I'm too, I'm too Hawaiian looking for the, the lighter side of my family. But the annoying thing for me, and this is a personal annoyance, and this is a funny annoyance. It's not anything bad. My father has six kids, and they all have him as the father, who's the Hawaiian, and then a white mother. And I'm the only one that looks like this. All the rest of them are like, oh, these are clearly Hawaiian children. Like, these are all, like, <laughs> they are Hawaiian. And I'm like, oh, but this one's adopted. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I'm <laughs> I'm just the same as them. It's just is what I look like, unfortunately. Genetics are crazy. Like, how... How does that happen? You know, like, and that's the thing. Uh, that so let me explain the realize. Punnett square real quick. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is crazy. It's though. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You can have like, the same things, but just all different. Yeah. Uh, so switching topics just a tad bit. So Kelsey, talk to us about the Black School Psych Summit. Yeah, no, it's, Um. I mean, it's amazing. It is Founded by all like the black psychs in the field, um, Byron McClure obviously is is one of the um, one of the founders, um, along with um, Tierra Bland, who I just admire. And they created this space for um, black school psychologists to get together to network. And the convention it was in Atlanta for the first inaugural one. This is something that I I you know this is a good I guess pivot. It's kind of related to what we were just talking about. I am so grateful that this is a space that I am accepted and welcomed into. Even, you know, with how I present, it is something I was like, oh, they invited me to present, right? And I'm like, is this my space? Like, am I, you know, like, can I do this? You know, like, am I, you know, I don't know. So I I kind of, I did have to kind of grapple with that a little bit. 
Um, but the more I have been connecting actually with more biracial, multiracial school psychologists. And I, it's so interesting. Like I will easily validate to them, like you deserve to be there. You are welcome in that space. And I'm like, why can't I, why am I not showing the same kindness to myself? Right. So I think like once I started leaning into that, I, um, I got excited, but you can get involved. Um, you can join, so I'm not like one of the founders, so I hope I don't get the email address wrong, but or not the email address, the address, the web address wrong. Um, I think it's bspninc.com.org. Yep. Um, we'll, but we'll, they we'll put in the show notes for everybody. Yeah, so great. Perfect. Yes. Um, but follow them on social media too. They do um monthly or bi-monthly Instagram lives too, which are pretty cool. Yeah, just like paving the way for a lot of black school psychologists. It's really cool meeting black school psych students who are like, I'm the only black student in my whole cohort. And now I have all these people who I can kind of connect with. So um, it's just, it's really awesome. But what are you presenting on? Yes. So I (laughs) presented on um, the topic is young, mixed and powerful, a strength-based approach to being a school psychologist or to being a biracial school psychologist. Yeah. Is yeah. that is that kind of like your go to presentation or and not and that's not a, that's no not it's a my first time comment. yeah no no you're good it's this is my first time um, presenting on this topic actually so I'm just passionate about it um and I'm learning a lot I'm doing a lot of research actually on supporting multiracial youth and I'm learning it's really cool because obviously I only know my experiences right like I don't know kind of what the literature says on this topic so I am um, excited to see it all come together or no I think so. this is just it's so exciting for our field. And for education, for things like this, like when I, when I heard about this, this, this event and, and, and everything going on, and I was so excited that so many people are taking part and being, and, and excited and all this, because one of the things I always think about is that research that talks about the idea that like our black male students who have a black male educator, I think it's by like fifth grade, they see a black man working in the schools working with children and supporting kids like the the academic outcomes for those kids who just have that vision of seeing themselves in their school buildings where they spend so much of their time has huge positive impacts um for them and so just the idea that we're getting you know more diverse as a field as a group particularly when you talk about special education where it's even over way more overwhelming with the the number of racially minoritized students and male students particularly as well that we're dealing with um, ending up in special education and having to find ways to support. It's just, it's just exciting to see uh, something like this coming together. When you, and you hope that through that influence, you know, we, and we, we as educators are able to help with that, you know, school to prison pay pipeline. Right. And that's a big deal as well. And I know that's a big interest of yours as well, Kelsey, correct? Yes, it is. Yes. Um, I did a lot of research on that in grad school, actually, which is so interesting. I, like this was in 2018, right? Like before um, everything with George Floyd, I feel like things got really heightened when talking about like obviously police brutality and the school to prison pipeline and racial disparities and all of these things in the past couple of years. But this is like a topic that me and a bunch of other scholars have been like looking at for a while, right? So it was really cool when it became kind of like a hot topic, I guess, um, in terms of, of like legislative things that were happening. Like I, it was really cool getting involved in like, things that are happening at the state and um, bills that are being proposed and um, to kind of like reduce suspensions and expulsions and stuff. It's something I'm like very, very, very passionate about. That was um, the majority of my grad school was focused on alternatives to suspension. Can you kind of talk about some of that stuff? So what what did you, I mean, I I feel like you could talk all day about it, but. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
Because so, I know I know a lot of you've you've had a lot of publications that have to do with that topic as well, correct? Yes, I have. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, it's it's so interesting because seeing it in the field is like so much different from researching it, obviously, right? And um, so in grad school, obviously, like I learned a lot about restorative practices, kind of the benefit of teaching behavior rather than punishing behavior. We know like as school psychologists that that's huge and important, right? But it's it's harder for teachers, for principals to understand the importance of that. We know with the school to prison pipeline, you know, the more likely, or I'm sorry, the more often you're suspended, the more likely you are. It like ups your chance of being involved in the criminal justice system by X percent. By the time you graduate, it ups the percentage of you dropping out of school. It puts you at risk for um, failing your failing in grades, um, having social difficulties. All of these outcomes are associated with a suspension. And our suspensions are given to are youth that need support the most, right? Like they're already kind of at risk because they're being suspended for some type of behavioral concern, right? I'm just passionate about, I think the biggest piece that I am passionate about is teaching behavior, right? Like teaching those social emotional learning skills, kind of how we can do that in the school setting to prevent behaviors from occurring in the first place. And that comes back to the restorative justice, restorative practices, kind of how we respond to behavior when it happens. How can we repair the harm? How can we hey, it's easier said than done. And I'm realizing it in the schools now, right? Like, I mean, especially COVID right now, because or post-COVID, because I don't know if your schools are like this, but I, there are no paraprofessionals. Yes. There are, oh my gosh, like, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no one. So who is going to do, you know, so I'm faced with those hard kind of like real life questions now. Like, it's like, I know what the research says, but here I am in this situation where, you know, a kindergartner was just suspended and I'm being told, what do we do now, right? Like they're gonna come back and we already, I already know all of the harm that can be caused and the, all the data and this and that. So kind of how do I translate that data into my work with with teachers when my plate is so full already? Like it's just- Cause that's not the only thing you have to do, right? Those kids well, still need to be tested. That would be right? nice <laughs> if that would be the only thing I had to do, right? Well, <laughs> and here's a question for you that uh, this might be a Kia, Brooke and Chris thing because we're in Texas, right? So SEL is a big topic or lack thereof, maybe, is there like, are you, mm-hmm. how do you, do your teachers, do, are they agreeable with everything you're saying? What's that? I do, I do just want to throw one caveat just to kind of clarify a point here. Um, Cause I know the majority of our listeners are in Texas. Uh, FYI, it is illegal to, to expel their suspend kindergartners um, yeah. in Texas. So the state, yeah. so just a reminder for your administrators, yeah. that is explicitly and not allowed like, oh, in state that? law. <laughs> It's like, no, yeah, I want to put that out there. You cannot suspend kindergartners in Texas. And I'm so glad you said that because Mm -hmm. it is, so I don't know if it's, I mean, it is kind of illegal in in Maryland too, (laughs) but the way it's written is that like, unless there's a, you know, imminent danger or threat to yourself or something, that's obviously very subjective. No, our exception is felonies. If a kindergartner commits a felony, they can be suspended, which is fair. Yep, um, is but uh, that is fair. the, it has to be an actual felony in the criminal code. So just a yeah. PSA, a little more, you know, for our yep. Texas listeners. All right, um, Maryland <laughs> folks, listen up too, because maybe we'll get there someday. So do you ever get pushback when you're trying? Because I mean, I do, but it's not because they don't trust it. It's because they don't have time. They don't have time to do a lot of these behavior techniques or to work on them, or there's a lack of support, or they're just trying to survive. And, and when I come in and I'm like, well, let's, I'm just making this up. Let's, let's try this visual schedule for three weeks and let's see how that works. And like, I've been dealing with this for three freaking months. Like I can't, 
Like, I don't have that time. Do you get that pushback? Yes. Every yeah. Day. And that, yes. that's hard to navigate because you, it is. like you said, you know, this will help, but you also have to be supportive for the teachers as well. Yes. And I am, I know that my number one strength um, from the Clifton Strengths Finders is harmony, which is really <laughs> tough. So, and I didn't even know that that was like, it's not one of the top ones that you see often, right? So harmony is like, I'm king harmony among everyone I work with. So it's like, I'm, I'm in a position where I'm super empathetic and I, I hear the teacher out and I'm like, I get it. Like, I know that this is adding so much to your plate, but I, I am working on kind of my little like spiel to kind of get my way in there, especially with the teachers that I formed like solid relationships with. But yeah, I mean, no one is trying to do a behavior chart, a visual schedule, uh, you know, Whatever. anything, anything yeah. these days. Like I, and I understand, I understand. <laughs> like, Real quick. I may be the only one here. What's Clifton strengths. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You've never done it a strengths finder, is... Chris? No. Okay. Just so you know, real quick, though, in my screen, it's Kia, me, Brooke, and Kelsey. And as soon as Kia started talking, Brooke looked up like he was listening to him, and it was fantastic. <laughs> but no, I've never done it before. I don't know what it is. I Googled it while you were talking. He's actually rolling his eyes that you have never yeah. um, heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's the, the residential. How, how have you not been pulled into, like, so many team building exercises? Like, I'm a... I'm a oh, because I've uh, always got meetings during those times. I'm so. a blue... <laughs> And an owl and a <laughs> west and like I got I'm like I got a whole list of all the things. I feel that like right now I'm talking to like a second grader that I'm testing and I'm trying to figure out what their interests are and they're explaining it to me and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, Roblox. I get it. I get it. Okay. <laughs> so Clifton Strengths is a thing, I guess. I will just Google it because I don't want to derail this conversation. But <laughs> yeah, I will say it's one of them that costs money and it took me a second to bite the bullet. But I felt that I needed to, given my... my Do you feel better because of it, Dr. Reed? (laughs) No, I really do. And I was like, "Eh, okay, whatever. But like, I, when I say harmony, like, I really feel that in my heart. Like, I'm saying that, like, with with full, in my full, my full being. (laughs) Well, I'd like to thank our new sponsors, Clifton Strengths, for sponsoring this episode. (laughs) Uh, I wish. (laughs) Bro, they, got getting... the mo- they, they got the money to do it. Uh, no, I think I, and this is kind of interesting. I mean, we could have a whole, uh, we could have a whole episode on, on strengths and strength finding assessment instruments and, and personality typologies and stuff like that. But um, the one that I'm most interested in right now is uh, referred to as the working genius. Mm-hmm. Um, Explain. Okay. Um, so Patrick Leoncini, Leoncini, I think is his name. Lencioni? Uh, he wrote Lencioni. Yeah, that guy. And so he, he he basically says there are six working geniuses and that when we have teams that we need um, that we need on that team, at least one of each of the geniuses to be a part of that team. And that may be uh, and I'm going to get these wrong because I haven't uh, read the, the text. Can we tell yet, you what the six types are? Please do, Chris. Wonder, discernment, enablement, invention, galvanizing and tenacity. Yeah. So I'm not tenacity and I'm not a galvanizer, um, but I am a wanderer. Like I, I, I imagine and I ask questions and I. Um, I'll talk so, no product, right? Exactly. That's why we need a galvanizer and we need somebody who can uh, finish the task. I'm, I'm always torn on these kinds of things because I feel like on the one hand, like my sciencey brain's like, none of this is validated by research. Blah, blah, blah. Like there's all these there. But it's like when I look back and it's like, I think about like some of the more effective teams that I was on, like it was always in groups of people who were, who scored differently on all these assessments, whatever the results were, it didn't matter. But like, I would be on these teams, like the teams that I remember being the most functional were and most effective 
is where like we all scored very differently on whatever yeah. flavor of, of assessment of we had taken. And so that diversity of thought, that diversity of experience and, you know, whatever it meant, ultimately, whether it meant anything seemed to improve our team's functionality. So, you know, it's evidence-based practice. It worked. I don't know why it worked, but it worked. Honestly, it is though. We talk about collective strengths in the book and like, I... Would this be hacking deficits? Yeah. Hacking deficit thinking. If you haven't bought it, you got to get it now, right? You've got to learn about collective strengths. Come on. Like, but I'm serious. Like, imagine doing that with kids, right? In in your classrooms and and pairing them up with people who have, all students have different strengths and tasking them with things and seeing like kind of how they can accomplish a task together based on those strengths. And I think, I think it's evidence-based. Yeah. Well, it is. I'll say, I think okay. that sounds. Well, you can't well, have, well, have like. I need, to, I need to update my understanding clearly. Yeah. So, well, thank you, you can't have like, Thank you, Kelsey. You can't have like four wanders on a team because all you do Absolutely is like not. 3 a.m. Yeah. drinking and making up a business and you guys wake up in the morning and nobody remembers anything about it. That's all it is. You need all these pieces that come together. But yeah, you you, you got to have this, this somebody who says, okay, stop talking. Let's do. Yeah. yeah but, okay, that's Brooke, me. That's the okay. me in the Byron Kelsey dynamic. And a lot of the dynamics, I'm like, all right, guys, like, let's just like, okay, let's we know what we're doing. Like, let's play. Let's go. <laughs> well, Brooke, you brought this up. What was the point? An honest question. I don't know. We were just talking about team-based instruments. I don't know. That's well, no I think point. I was just asking if you've heard of it. Well, I think that on campuses, team-based approaches are important. Like the school psychologist on any campus has got certain type of skills and knowledge that nobody else has. But for instance, for me, I have a, ironically, I have a background in anthropology, which is a great and awesome useless degree, but I know a lot of cool stuff, but I don't have a teaching background. So when we get to those academic interventions, I don't know those things. Right. So I rely on other people to have those types of skills that I don't have. And Kelsey, I think you and I are the more junior of these four as far as in our field. But do you feel like you do a good job of like taking other people's strengths and kind of integrating them into when we're helping these children? Yeah, I think we're talking about team based um, approach, right? So with my strength and harmony. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) No, really, I, I think like leveraging strengths like in teams is super important. And like just delegating tasks in in that regard, too. Like I I will delegate a task. I'm really good at that, too. (laughs) Yeah. And, And I think you also kind of bring into a new kind of concept of a school psychologist. It's not a typical school psychologist because you're doing all these other things as well. Um, this is an honest question. How do you find the time? Okay. I used to find the time and now I don't, yeah. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah. I have an ongoing checklist. It's, it's never ending. And I don't even have kids and I'm, I don't even, I don't understand people who have kids. That's who you should really be asking this question to, because I don't oh, know how gross. you guys do any of this with a lot of, ca- a lot of caffeine. It's a lot of caffeine. See, I can take naps. That is how I get all these tasks done. I take naps. When you when you get that second kid, man, that's a different type of tired. It doesn't matter how good your first kid is. That first kid still exists. They call that the trick kid, right? Like they oh. like trick you into having more. Oh, that was the first yeah. kid for. So I get it. Yeah, no, it is like we just had background, Kelsey. I have a three-year-old, soon to be four-year-old, and I have a two-month-old, soon to be three-month-old. Oh, wow. So this spring break that we just had was the most exhausting spring break we've ever had due to other reasons. But because we had two children, the time change happened when it did. We did not adjust to that time change. Mm -hmm. So we like every morning started off like I went and fed a two month old at like 7 a.m. And then we just like laid in freaking bed for like an hour and a half because we're like, we're just so tired. Like there's two of you guys, but that three-year-old's still going 137,000 oh, yeah. miles per hour. I mean, that is, it just is what it is, but 
yeah, kids do add a totally different type of thing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that's two. the real question. Yeah. <laughs> how you guys do that. <laughs> I know we're getting kind of close, but I do, there is a very important question, I think, and this is going to be a weird pivot, but I just, mm-hmm. I just noticed the time. We talked about diversity as teachers, but diversity in school psychology is a very important thing as well. Um, whether, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in cultural ethnicity, but even like gender or, you know, orientation. But Kelsey, kind of give us your opinion. Like, why does diversity matter, no matter what the reason for the diversity is? I think there's a number of reasons. Um, the first being exposure for other people. And especially in schools, the more we expose ourselves to people who are different from us, the more empathetic we are, the more able we are to work with people from various backgrounds. I think that's beneficial to everyone. And then the second is representation for those who are, you know, quote unquote, diverse in some way. Just the act of me well, not me, I guess. I don't know. Me being a biracial school psychologist is representative for someone else, a biracial child out there who, you know, is interested in being a school psychologist, you know, not saying that you have to kind of follow the same path. But I think when you see people who look like you in different spaces, you realize that you're capable, you can do that. So I think it's kind of twofold, like the education for the people around you, but then also the representation it gives. Well, I think an important part of our job that nobody really even kind of talks about is in the school setting, we typically do not provide therapy for long distance, long time, right? Our job primarily, depending, and obviously districts may vary or positions may vary, is an evaluator in consultation, right? So when I evaluate, a, if I evaluate Kelsey Reed for SLD, for instance, specific learning disability, I have a very minute amount of time to gain your trust, do an evaluation, build rapport and then be done with it, right? I can't really extend it out for as long as possible. And that's an SLD. If it's an ED evaluation where I need to get really into the weeds with things, I have to do that same exact type of thing, but to a deeper level. And I think having diversity helps with that as well. There's a trust factor that you brought up, which I think is important, whether it's male, female, black, white, Asian, Pacific, whatever you are, I think that helps because that helps bond and that helps give the best evaluation possible. Because that is a, that is a, big part of what we do. I know everybody's got different positions, but that that's kind of my opinion on it is that, you know, we, the more diverse populations we have, the more diverse school psychologists we need. I mean, I know we talk about our demographics all the time, like in this field, but I was, I was just looking at it, um, kind of the updated, you know, membership survey. And I'm like, how is it still 85% female or 85% white? I can't remember which one it is. Probably both of them. I don't know. You know, like, I think it's, what? it's, it's historically been around both 85% yeah. for both white, both and female. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Cause I, I feel like I'm surrounded by so many, you know, people who don't fit that mold. So I guess I'm in my own little like diverse bubble of school psychology world that I forget, you know, oh, we're still like within this context of like predominantly white and female. Are you, uh, do you, are you kind of associated with any of your state associations at all? Yes. I okay. Am. So what, what kind of stuff do you do? I'm not putting you on the spot, but I just thought about that when you're talking, cause we're all, we've all been associated with the task board. Tell us about your guys' state association. So I'm not on the board, but I am, I volunteered on a couple of committees where um, MSPA and it's so weird. Oh, just something else that Kelsey does, right? On top of everything else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Like just why not? I don't know. It it really is a lot. Like you're, you're really putting me on the spot here. Right. (laughs) Um, But I, so um, I joined the, there was like a social justice um, committee that um, MSPA had where we were kind of, we were going to do diversity dialogue. What is it? Um, 
but it's a curriculum that is used with um, educators to talk about race, like in schools and kind of to inform your practices, be more equitable, et cetera. And we were training to be diversity dialogue facilitators. We were going to do all of these things. You know how things kind of just. A bunch of wanders, right? Happen. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> Yeah. So I know. Yeah. No, a lot of wanderers. And it really frustrated me. I was like, I'm not a wanderer. I don't want to wander right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that and then so just just a lot of um, opportunities involving like social justice, like we're doing kind of an audit um, right now within MSPA to look at how um, socially just how diverse we are, because Maryland is a very diverse state, like ra- like racially diverse state. But our board like MSPA has been historically very white. So we're kind of working toward you know, kind of making some shifts there. And Erica Wood is about to be our president. Um, shout out to Dr. Wood. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's Real black, quick, just, so. right, I now know you said MSPA, but I thought you yes. said MNSPA, which is the Minnesota Sterile oh, Processing Association. That is not, not what, what I'm talking about. No. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I know you, you also have a social justice page, correct? I do. Yes. What is that? So, It is at Sassy for Social Justice. Um, I made it in 2020, I think, when we all had all that time, right? Um, When the pandemic first hit. (laughs) I basically just create graphics um, on different topics related to social justice. So some of my favorite ones have been, I did one on the school to prison pipeline. And um, I did one on school resource officers in schools and kind of of the research behind that so different topics um it's been i hate this this is the one that's kind of gone on the back burner because of all the other things going on and it's like i really love doing that so so yeah i i can't the last time i posted i can't even remember um but i do post every once in a while i just do a little surprise post right um that on instagram or twitter instagram yes okay so you need an assistant is what i'm hearing i do yeah. <laughs> or a social yeah. media manager. I want to do the social media. That's the okay, part I like. Kidding. So I'll yeah, give them something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we are kind of getting to the end here. Um, Brooke, Kia, do you have any other questions before we kind of move on to the end? I do have, I do have one more question. No, this is, this has been great, Kelsey. Thank you. Oh, yeah, thank you. So how, Kelsey, as we've talked through all this stuff, you've, you've got a lot of projects and we're not doing it in a joking way anymore. You're doing a lot of really cool and badass stuff. And I think it's really inspiring for especially who's so young in their career. And I don't mean that in a negative way, like you're hitting the ground running and you're going, but how would you give advice to somebody who feels like they're kind of lost in the role of the school psychologist? They're going through the motions, they're burning out. And they're like, I love this field, but I'm having a hard time giving my time to this field. I want to do more. Like what inspires somebody right now? Kelsey, go. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. So I really, truly like joining social media and being on like the professional side of social media has been so amazing. And I was late. Like I joined, I don't even remember when, but like last year, I think. So I've only been on it like a year, but it has really re-energized me. It's like the same feeling I get when I go to NASP. So go to NASP definitely every year. I know it can be pricey, but it's so worth it. Like I always leave like, oh my gosh, I met so-and-so, I saw so-and-so. Like I'm feeling kind of like you can really get that, whatever you're passionate. Motivated when you leave. Yeah, definitely. Like connect with people who are passionate about what you're passionate about. Talk about the struggles, like bond over how much we don't like certain things about the job. And it like just finding your community, I think is really, really huge. And that's been like just amazing for me. So that would be my 
might do yeah. Find some type of support group, some type, some type of community, link up with other people. It doesn't even necessarily have to be like major hitters like Kelsey and, you know, Kia, right? Like it could be anybody in the world. It can be anybody, but just find your group, find your community and find find your rural school psychs, your fellow rural school psychs, find your and fellow, you know, go to, you know, the Black School Psych Summit and find your people there, things like that. And so that way you can find that community. Definitely. And oh, I'll wow. just... Oops, I'm sorry. Sorry, no, one I was going to shout out because um, I, I think they are really cool and I think it's it's really great what they do. Is there's a Facebook group, the Bilingual Psychs. Um, so for those of you who are bilingual school psychs, that's a great community to have because they're going through the same kind of challenges, which are unique um, for bilingual school psychologists. And I am starting, I'm trying to make it a thing, a multiracial, biracial school psych Facebook group. I We've, we've got a couple people in there. We're kind of like, I'm trying to get it rolling, you know, because... There's a lot of us, but I don't really know how to spread the word. So if you're listening and you identify as that, um, I'll figure out how to get the link to these guys to put in yeah, the show. Yeah, put it on the there. Okay. Cool. There's also uh, School Psych Sisters. Yes. Uh, so fo- yeah. follow them. They uh, they do a lot of good work too. Hey, Kelsey, how uh, we got lots of open school psych positions in Texas. How do we get you to move out here? We already got Byron, so we just need Kelsey. So now. my sister just moved to Dallas. Oh shit! <laughs> but I don't. Her I don't know. and everybody else. Let me tell I know, you, right? I live so here. you have Everyone's a Dallas, you have an Austin, you have a San Antonio person. So yeah, <laughs> yeah everyone and their brother has moved you to, know, to Dallas, or everyone and their sister, I guess, right. has moved to Dallas. Right, right. I'll visit, but I, I don't think you catch me there. I, I'm perpetually hot all the time, so I, 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 don't think, I, I think I would literally explode if I moved to Texas. <laughs> yeah, we're consistent sweaters down here. It just is what it is. It's part of the look. <laughs> yeah, yep, guess so. I, I don't think I want that look, so. All right, so oh, let's move in. Song. I just had a song. You said we're pers- persistent sweaters, and I had some Weezer come in, you know, if, if you'll hold this thread as I walk away. As I walk away, old man. No, you don't know Weezer. Born in '88. Yeah. I know who Weezer is, but oh, yes. no, 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 oh, oh, that one fault. That, hey, that, that stings. That, that stings a little bit. Yeah, wrong crowd. Yeah, wrong crowd. Yeah, yeah, cut that out. Okay. <laughs> cut that part. That that did sting a little bit. Yeah, I grew up on like Alanis Morissette and Melissa Etheridge. That was what was playing on video on cassette in my car, my mom's car, <laughs> in California oh. at the time. So, <laughs> all right, Kelsey, let's get to some of these rapid questions, and then we're gonna have a final right. word. So be ready for that as well. All right. So these are just supposed to be off the cuff type of answers, whatever you think. All right. So what did you do before your current profession as a school psych? Like what was your last job? That was a paycheck job. Oh man. Uh, My first job ever. I was a grocery store bagger in high school. That's what's coming to mind for me. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Those old fingers aren't going to do it themselves. So (laughs) (laughs) did you enjoy that? I did not. Okay, fair I enough. did not, but it paid the bills, right? Like all the high school bills that I had. Do you have a weird food combination you like? I don't know if this is a Midwest thing. I put ranch on everything. I love ranch, pizza, chicken tenders, French fries. I mean, all the all ranch the is life. Those yes, are great. Yes. Yeah, ranch is life. What's a fun <laughs> fact about yourself? I skipped first grade. What? I repeated a grade technically. <laughs> so, okay it's yeah. interesting as school psych thinking on the other side of that right like well, yeah. how do they even decide that like how'd you what? skip it apparently i was reading at a sixth grade level in kindergarten which i questioned that too because knowing what we know now but that's what they said so I skipped all right it. well done so you didn't yeah. technically graduate early then you graduated on time for you it's mm-hmm. like a grandfather paradox you skipped a grade so you graduated on time but technically you graduated early because you skipped a grade yes i, I did graduate early i don't okay. know what you're saying but all right, fair enough. Let's move on. What obscure thing are you talented at? 
word puzzles, like word games, crossword puzzles. Like I have like games on my phone, that are, like word puzzles that I play. It's like my thing. I don't know. Go for it. What is a pet peeve? I feel like when people order salads at like fast food restaurants, like Wendy's, like I feel like, or like Chick-fil-A, people order a salad. I'm like, what are we doing here, guys? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Commit to the, commit to the fast food. Yeah. Like what? Like go get a salad somewhere else. (laughs) If you could interview anybody alive or past, who would it be? I can't, I can't, I'm going to go with Brene Brown, which is like a very typical answer. I feel like, um, she does a lot of work and vulnerabilities. I struggled with that for a while. So I think. So it'd be a bit of a therapeutic experience for you too. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's nice. What tradition did your family have when you were growing up that you still adhere to? Okay. So I don't know if this is something I want to adhere to, but we would have family reunions and at our family reunions, all of the kids, we would have a talent show. <laughs> like we would all like, I remember one year we did, we did it at Christmas and at our family reunions. One year I played my recorder, like what one year um like we would just like make dances up and like do the dances in front of like all the old people and I'm, i look back and i'm like why did we do that so i don't think i want to carry that tradition with me no that's fun though <laughs> that's a fun unique thing that you i probably have. will because i'm gonna want to see our, my kids doing like silly things i yeah, guess own that so, stuff, that's why right? they made that's us cool. do it probably that's really cool <laughs> kelsey we're at the end of this episode do you have any last right. words for our listeners doesn't have to be profound but just anything you just kind of want to get off your chest I hate I hate this. I hate stuff like this so much. Um, I'm so sorry. Last words. No, it's okay. It's okay. I'm thinking on the spot. Go buy her book. I, I got nothing at 940. Go buy her book. Wanna... Follow yes, her on go Twitter. Go buy the book. What is your Twitter handle? Yes. Twitter handle is at Reed. Instagram, Dr. Kelsey Reed. Follow Be Strength Based as well. That's our strength based work. Any, um, any awesome projects you have coming up you want to make sure people know about? Just a lot of things with the Strength Based Collective. Yes. So if you aren't subscribed, please subscribe. And for all of our listeners, just know, I know we didn't talk about the book very much, but same thing with Byron a couple of weeks ago. It's going to come down the pipeline. We're going to have an amazing in-depth episode where we talk to Kelsey and Byron about the book and about all the stuff that came together for this to come and happen in this amazing project. And for all the rest of our listeners, remember to follow our official task Facebook and Instagram accounts at TXASP, where you can get all the up-to-date info on what's happening in our field and what the board is currently up to. You can also email me at podcast at txasp.org for all your corrective feedback comments and negativity i'll take it i don't mind and if you want us to keep producing this content make sure you give us ratings give us five stars whatever the hell type of thing you listen on make sure you give us a review and remember at the end of the day guys make good choices